0: Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. Father, we thank you for your loving kindness towards us. We thank you for drawing us here today, for drawing us near to your people. Uh, Father, we ask that you would uh, bless my words, that they would be clear, uh, that they would be true and according to your word, and uh, we pray, pray that it would be um, a blessing and encouragement to all of us here today in Jesus name. Amen. Yeah, y'all have had some wonderful teachers so far, so you know, they 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 should have they should have ended with a bang as opposed to, you know, a whimper, but uh, so y'all get me for the last the last couple of vows here. And I'm going to go ahead and I'll pass these out just so you have these in front of you. We we will refer Uh, To these over and over again. (coughs) You've already got them? All right. Yeah, and if you, uh, I don't know if we have a lot of, I don't know if we have a bunch of pins, but uh, we can find some, I guess, if you needed them. Yeah, you bet. I I hope that's (laughs) three. but what so I, I will briefly review the vows and then um, and kind of cover them from the perspective of of what what you know when we say the church what is it we mean uh, so so very uh, briefly define some of these vows and, and then maybe describe why why these things are here and why they should be important to you, why they're important to me, and then how you might go about fulfilling these vows. And the, the goal for me here today is to uh, present vow four and five as well as review the other vows uh, in a way that gives you confidence to be able to stand up and, and take these vows in front of the congregation. Um, but as I, was, uh, as I was thinking about this, I, I intend to throw down the gauntlet a little bit. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna challenge y'all. Uh, I, I would think that one of the reasons that you're here is because of the, the serious manner in which we approach worship. And that's why I'm here. Uh, my family and I were in Utah. We moved across the country to come to this church. Uh, so, be, because we we take worship seriously, we take these things seriously, we take vows seriously. And it is not, uh, you know, I know maybe there are places where these are just simply the things you do. You go through these steps and, you know, you jump through these hoops and now presto magic, you're a member of this church. Well, it's a serious thing. Uh, so, I, Hopefully, I will. Uh, hopefully, that will be conveyed. All right. So, as we consider these vows, you may, uh, you know, look on them here. But looking back at uh, at vow number one, uh, acknowledging yourself a sinner in some ways, this. This takes us to the depths. We, we recognize our sinful state before God. and then uh, and then immediately after that, we affirm this vow that discusses our belief in the Lord Jesus Christ to save sinners, of which we are one, and that we rest on him alone. and this is taking us to the hypes. Good morning, R.J. How are you? Um, and these are uh, these are vows that affirm, these eternal truths, you know, we are sinful, and we need a savior, and Jesus Christ is that savior. And then, as we continue, uh, vow three. Actually, I don't know if you noticed this, but uh, in, in some regards, vow one is in relationship to the Father. It's 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 not explicitly stated, but it's implied. It's because of God's holiness that that we are recognized as sinners and then we see the lord jesus christ the second person of the trinity in the second vow and then in vow three there's mention of the holy spirit who is there to to be with us uh through this pilgrimage and this journey to sanctify us and now we turn to to vow number four uh which maybe in some regards when you look at it at face glance could appear to be uh, these last couple may seem a little boring, they actually end up being some of the more exciting ones uh, sadly Um, and and I think you may see why so we see in Vow 4 do you promise to support the church in its worship and work to the best of your ability so it introduces a little bit of a An alien concept for our day and age. Um, This is not a single player uh, event, church. Uh, There are no Lone Ranger Christians. Uh, I I think in our day and age, there are folks that have maybe that attitude that, uh, hey, it's just me and my Bible and Jesus, and, uh, and I can be a faithful Christian. Well, not according to God's Word. That's not possible. Uh, God commands us to be with His people. Um, do, do, not, do not deny the gathering of the brethren uh, is, a, is a verse from Hebrews, for instance. But obviously, uh, throughout Scripture, you all are probably familiar with uh, the church being referred to as the, the Bride of Christ. We're the body of Christ. And how can you be you know, you you hear you hear some pretty dramatic stories about people getting an arm chopped off, and they put it in ice, and then eventually gets reattached. But if it, you know, it, it's hard for a body part to live apart from the body. Um, so, so it's it's you know, like I said, somewhat of an alien concept. But here, here's here's what we'll look at in terms of uh, the what. So beginning. As as we talk about what is the church, and let me let me qualify, you know, I mentioned what, why, and how. Um, as we consider what, for instance, we will just very briefly scratch the surface. There, there are volumes that fill the world's libraries on these topics, and and uh, we'll have a hard time getting to Val five if we were to know exhaust these these topics and and in some ways this is related to uh, just to jump ahead a little bit but in some ways this is related to the end of val 5 where it says promise to study its purity and peace um J- uh, john 17:3 says that eternal life is this, that they might know the Father and, and your, your Son whom you have sent. Knowing God is eternal life. And in some sense, we are to pursue a knowledge of God throughout our lives. So since we don't cover all of it this morning, that'll be all right. We've, we've got the rest of our lives to, to learn these things. All right, so what is the church? As I just mentioned, it's the Bride of Christ, and this was just the the definition that came to me off the top of my my head, all of God's chosen people from all times and in all places. Uh, That is one definition of uh, the Bride of Christ. We have a couple of, uh, I mean, there are a multitude of Scripture references, but a couple, uh, if you wanted to jot them down or, or look with me, Uh, 1 Corinthians 1-2, which says, Paul writes, To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. In Matthew 13-47 Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. And in Acts 2.39, it says, For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Uh, so these are some examples of, of how the Bible defines what the church is. Uh, the Westminster Confession uh, Further helps to identify a couple of categories that are, again, not not explicitly stated, but they are clearly implied in Scripture. And and in particular, I'm referring to the idea of an invisible and a visible church. Um, So don't don't be caught off guard by some of that uh, terminology. But here's what the Westminster Confession of of Faith says about, uh, about the church. The Catholic or universal church, which is invisible, consists of the whole number of the elect that have been, are, or shall be into one, under Christ, the head thereof, and is the spouse, the body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. The visible church, which is also Catholic or universal under the gospel, not confined to one nation, as before under the law, consist of all those throughout the world that profess the true religion together with their children and is the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, the house and family of God, out of which there is no ordinary possibility of salvation. And again, this kind of gets at a comment I made a minute ago that they're really, uh, I'm trying to remember what Calvin's quote is, that... Uh, that, that there is no salvation apart from uh, from, the body of Christ, that, that they go hand-in-hand hand almost exclusively. Um, now, I, I won't go too much into it, but with regard to the visible and, and invisible church, I, um, as I mentioned, the, the fact that it's implied, we see, for instance, examples of uh, probably... Most obvious examples, like Judas who's there as a member of the disciples and he is part of this body, but in reality ultimately and eternally, and eternally he is the the you know the son of perdition, the one who will deny christ and uh, in 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 truth, he is not part of the body ultimately all right, so after briefly covering uh, what the church is we'll we'll move on to what worship is since that's another one of these terms that we're looking at here for this fourth vow so what does scripture say psalm 29 2 said ascribe to the lord the glory due his name worship the lord in the splendor of holiness and then in matthew 4 verse 10 jesus says to satan be gone satan for it is written you shall worship the lord your god and him only shall you serve. And as I was thinking about this, uh, I, I thought, well, I'll, I'll look up and see what the definition of worship is in dictionary.com, see what they have to say. So here's what they said. It's a reverent honor and homage paid to God. So I think and in, in, in you can consider that you could say that it's a focus of attention and your affections towards an object. Obviously, we, we desire that, that we only worship the one true living God, but the reality is that there are other gods or there are other things that are put in the place of the affections and the attention that we ought to give to God. Um. And so I was thinking, uh, like, in in some ways, it's almost easier to think about uh, bad examples of of worship, of worshiping a false god, than it is uh, the one true living God. But uh, but but we mentioned the word reverent. I've got that uh, here a couple of times, and when we consider reverent or what What does it mean to revere that's that's maybe an old an older word that we don't use as often today um but but you know i i was thinking about it and and it's almost like a it, it's almost something that's just inherently understood um you know in the military i served in the military for 20 years and When a senior ranking officer walked into the room, everyone stopped what they were doing and they stood at attention. Uh, in fact, you know, if you're in the fighter squadron and a colonel or above were to a full colonel or above were to walk in the room, someone, the first person to see that individual was to, you know, was to call the entire building to attention well, on deck would be the Navy, but uh, squadron, 10-inch hut, and everybody stands there, and that's a a way of honoring them for the rank that they've earned. Uh, Another example, maybe more familiar to everybody here, is the idea of a bride at a wedding. And, What does everybody do? and turn and give their attention to the bride? Um, the flag you if you know what you're doing, you face the flag when you give attention to the flag. Um, now rebecca is familiar with this about me i I apologize but uh you'll you'll get used to it i I guess (laughs) um i hope it's not a distraction for you um but uh anyway so some some negative examples um you know i can these would be things that you might see in in a comedy sketch for instance such as uh i mean could you imagine that if a dear loved one of yours were to pass away and somebody shows up uh wearing uh, beachwear you know flip-flops and uh that that'd be insulting that'd be offensive um so that that would be an example of of not showing due reverence um now I'm, I'm, i'm I'll qualify by saying I'm not telling you what to wear, uh, but I am saying that that the things that we do and uh, the the way we direct our attention, the way we act, that we should give careful attention to those things, especially as it relates to worship. All right, and then uh, moving on here, as, as we look at Vow 4, we see the, the worship and the work. So what is the work? Well, the Bible says a lot about the work of the church, but uh, I'll highlight just a couple of them. We see uh, Jesus uh, at the end of his earthly ministry in, in Matthew twenty eight nineteen says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So the, these would be examples of, of works to go out and make disciples. And then Paul continues and adds additional works. In Ephesians 4, 11 through 14, he says, and he gave, that is God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes." So there's an aspect of the work, which is going out and making disciples of all men, baptizing them in the name of our triune God. And then uh, you know one that, that the session here is mindful of is what is described here in, uh, in Ephesians by Paul, which is the work of equipping the saints for the work of ministry, building up the body of Christ, which we were talking about earlier, in order to attain unity of faith. So maybe you have a little bit different take, maybe I have a little bit different take, well, let's go look at the Bible and let's discuss, you know, I, maybe I'm in error, maybe you're in error, let's figure it out, but let's put ourselves in, in, you know, in, a, in, a, in a consistent manner with, with God's word. Uh, in order that we might both be mature, and, and that word mature from the Bible, if I remember from, from the Greek, that means to be whole and to be complete, to not be lacking. So that's, that's the goal of the, of the elders here for the saints uh, of Grace Presbyterian Church, that you might be equipped uh, to be made whole and mature. And and what's the benefit of being whole and mature? To be being, uh, you know, reaching manhood, is so that you're not a child, who's easily tricked and deceived, uh, by the devil. For instance, by uh, by enemies of God's people, uh, which there are. So those are a couple of examples uh, that describe the work. Um, now, for the why, I don't know if Landon and Parker might be able to help me out here, but uh I thought maybe I'd ask them some questions from the from the shorter catechism uh but for the uh we see in the shorter catechism which is the first commandment i don't y'all know that one I bet you you'll 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 recognize it so which is the first commandment? The first commandment is, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And then we move on to question 46 of the Shorter Catechism, that's the Westminster Shorter Catechism that you will, if you haven't heard that referred to, you will hear referred to. Um, we don't believe that it is equal with the Bible, but we believe it is made up of smart people. It'd be, it's like being able to go ask Pastor David, or Pastor John, theological questions, but they're just ready there. Um, but what is what is required in the first commandment? The first commandment requireth us to know and acknowledge God to be the only true God and our God and to worship and glorify him accordingly. So why, why do we care about doing these things? I mentioned the what, now the why. Why do we care? Because God commands it. And he made us. Now the how. How, how. how do we fulfill our vow to do these things? Um, several years ago, close to 20 years ago, um, we moved to England and knew about a church before we went there and, you know, immediately went to this church and we were blessed by it. Uh, we got there on a Saturday. We went to church on Sunday. And, uh, and then maybe the next week, we went to a fellowship lunch or gathering after church. And it was wonderful. We had been in a hard church situation prior to that, and we, we were just blessed. And in a lot of ways, this church is like that church. And, uh, in fact, Pastor David preached there one summer in a pulpit exchange uh, in Cambridge, England. But there was a a, a deacon named Bram Van Der Riet who's Dutch. I don't know if y'all know Dutch folk. But uh, they're different. <laughs> Some of my best friends are Dutch. <laughs> uh, but um, th- and this, this friend ended up being a, a dear friend of mine. Uh, but I'd I Just met the man. We're standing outside in, in the in the we. They didn't say yard. I went in the backyard I was in the in the back garden of this home and uh, I said, well, hey nice to meet you. Well, where are you? Yeah, we're from the States I'm out at the military base, you know, oh, that's great and and about two minutes into our conversation Brahm in a typical Dutch way looks at me and he says uh, Justin you do know that if you join Cambridge Presbyterian Church, you will be expected to attend morning and evening worship. Yeah. Well, I, I was up planning on it, but uh, <laughs> thank, thank you for reminding me. <laughs> um, so how, how do you fulfill this vow? Attending worship, morning and evening. Uh, reading your Bible Going back to the thing that we discussed before, pursuing God and a knowledge of God. Praying for your fellow believers, for those that you fellowship with. Praying for the missionaries that we support. And then uh, praying with God's people when they gather together, unless you're providentially hindered, which the Ellis family is right now uh, from our Wednesday evening prayer meetings. Uh, This is by no means an exhaustive this, but uh, uh, I guess the last thing I'll say in terms of the how is um, watch your elders. We're blessed. Um, And this is not a this is not a Justin Ellis concept. Uh, Hebrews thirteen seven says, Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So uh, that is vow four. And then briefly, vow five here. Do you submit yourselves to the government and, disciple and discipline of the church and promise to study its purity and peace? Uh, considering vow five, we talked about Vow one, recognizing our damnable state, the highlights that we recognize in vow two due to our glorious redemption with Christ, and then vow three, the work of the Holy Spirit sanctifying us through our pilgrimage, that we don't do it alone, as we just discussed in vow four, and now we turn to how Christ rules His church. And, and again, covering the the what, why, and how for what. Now, this is, uh, you know, I mentioned at face glance these things may appear to be somewhat boring, but, uh, you know, right off the bat, it discusses submitting yourself. Well, I would think that that would be, submission would be a term that may be one of the most unpopular terms in our culture today. Uh, I don't know if there are, that, that, that may be one of the most hated and despised terms. Dictionary.com says to give over or yield to the power or authority of another. From Scripture, uh, I just quoted from, from Hebrews 13. If, if we were to continue on in, in Hebrews 13, verse 17, it says obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. For that would be of no advantage to you. So there is a way in which we, as the sheep, can make it very difficult for shepherds, for the elders. You know, as it says, let them do this with joy and not with groaning. I cannot say that I have never groaned as an elder, uh, which is sad. But um, th- that I guess th- that discusses a little bit of the what, but also a little bit of the why, again, because God commands it. Now, moving on to the idea of what government is or to govern. You know, generically, again, dictionary.com to rule over by right of authority, or also to exercise a directing, or a restraining influence over to guide. Again, these are not popular ideas to discuss as it relates to you know something like the church, um, but as we consider specifically within the church, uh, we'll we'll go back to exactly what we've been doing the whole time that you that you should see, and and I am confident you will see throughout your time here at Grace Presbyterian Church, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about how Christ governs His church? And if you look in the Old Testament, you see that God used prophets, priests for a brief time, He used judges, and then He used kings. And then in the New Testament, you see, especially prior to... uh, uh, to the time of the, uh, of, of the epistles being written, you see the Acts of the Apostles, um, and, and you see prophecy and such. Uh, and a lot of this is, if you've been here for a lot of the sermons on Acts that David, Pastor Gilbert's been teaching and preaching, um, we see that in many cases these are extraordinary events that we are not to expect to continue. And so what you see, especially as you read through the end, what, what is the norm in Scripture is you see two offices, elders and deacons, that are that are highlighted. And we see that in uh, 1 Timothy 3 as well as uh, Titus 1 uh, in particular, where it lays out, the offices within a church, and it, and it defines what the requirements and the characteristics of those office holders are. Uh, and I can give you all those verses if you wanted to. And so you might say, well, what about, what about apostles? And, uh, and I briefly just mentioned it, but uh, they possessed a unique authority to write Scripture, to reveal God's Word. And that word, reveal, is, is a significant powerful word um, We pray That God will Illumine our hearts and our minds That he will illuminate God's word To us when we for instance sit under The preaching of his word We are not praying that God will reveal Something new um, And in fact uh, One of the most powerful verses I got caught up in some charismatic Stuff when I was uh, In college And um, and one of the verses that God used to, to capture my attention and, and show me the error of, of that thinking was in 2 Peter, where Peter, who goes on to describe standing there at the Mount of Transfiguration, and if you all remember the story, he's standing there and he sees, his, he sees Moses and Elijah and he hears the voice of, of God speaking. And yet he says, we have a more sure word than this. So, more powerful than what he witnessed with his own eyes is God's word. And in 2 Peter, he says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So, when somebody says, well, you need something special and extra and different, you just go back to 2 Peter, and Peter says... I've been granted all things for life and godliness in Christ Jesus in his word. Um, you know, the other thing, the other thing uh, I'll, I'll add to that is uh, this is the reason that we can say no to Islam and Mormonism. Otherwise, why, why, wouldn't, why we wouldn't, wouldn't we follow that? They, you know, some guy goes out in the, in the woods and says that God spoke to him. What's to keep somebody else from having that experience? Um, we lived in Utah, so that's a source, source subject for us. Um, so, what does this power look like? Well, obviously, there are different types of power. You have civil magistrates, and, and uh, th- again, this is a little dated language, uh, but, but the, the civil magistrates are given the power of the sword. And it, you read in Romans 13, Paul talks about you know that that the ruler that God, these, these earthly rulers that God has put in place, are given the power of the sword. Well, what's the power of the sword? Well, it you know m- maybe more rightly described as the power of the gun nowadays. Uh, you know, if you break the law uh, in front of a policeman, depending on the way you break it, it might result in you getting shot. Uh, that's the power of the sword. Or th- kind of from a strategic standpoint, if you're dropping bombs off of F-15s like they did in Syria, who could be my buddies because uh, that was the airplane I flew, um, that's the power of the sword. Um, but as, as leaders in the church, cr- Christ has not given that, that type of power. Thank goodness. Uh, but the power, what, so what is the power? It's ministerial and declarative is the, is the phrase that's often used. And that's, uh, that's a phrase that's captured in what we call the Book of Church Order. Um, so, in fact, I won't go into the Book of Church Order, but that's where these vows come from, uh, our BCO that you'll you'll hear it referred to. Here's what the Book of Church Order says, which I think is helpful. It says, all church power, whether exercised by the body in general or by representation, is only ministerial and declarative, since the Holy Scriptures are the only rule of faith and practice. No church judicatory court may make laws to bind the conscience. All church courts may err through human frailty Yet it rests upon them to uphold the laws of Scripture, though this obligation be lodged with fallible men. Yeah, Ministerial and declarative. Additionally, it's a power. Just I, I, I find this helpful um, to, to remember. It's a power that's exercised jointly. You know, so no elder has any power. I can't. You know, I, I, I've, I've been called to be an elder. I couldn't come and say, hey, James, you need to go do such and such. Well, well why are you telling me that? Well, I just felt like that was a good idea. Well, I, you know, it, it is, a, it is a, a right and good question if you're having a conversation with an elder who's encouraging you to do something, to ask them, I would encourage you to ask them this, to say, is that what the what the session, in other words, is that what the body of elders are wanting, are desiring? Because an elder by himself has no power, uh, but but the power is jointly. And so when we have session meetings, we're discussing things related to shepherding care for people. How do we care? If, you know, somebody's dying like we have right now people in our church who are dying that we want to care for and love and minister to we we make those decisions together Uh, and and maybe sometimes there's a little disagreement but once once the decision is made that is the decision of the set the session and even if I had been on the other side of that argument once that decision is made and we go forward then that's my decision as a member of the session. Um, our worship is is governed by the session. Uh, so uh, an elder doesn't have the ability, you know, Pastor Gilbert, if he were to get up there and start doing crazy stuff, <laughs> then the elders would step in, maybe not on the spot, but... Uh, but but would not allow that to happen. Um, But again, that's related to that leading of worship, the ministerial, and then the declaring of the word, the declarative. Other examples, accepting and denying access to membership, Uh, offering or excluding access to the sacraments. So that's why we give this what we call fencing of the table where there's a warning given because that's what the Bible says. Don't do this if you're not doing it with careful consideration. And then exercising discipline as you think about things like Matthew 18. And then we see the word discipline here. uh, That is defined as training to act in accordance with the rules. Again, the BCO is helpful. It says discipline is the exercise of authority given the church by the Lord Jesus Christ to instruct and guide its members and to promote its purity and welfare, the term has two senses. The one referring to the whole government, inspection, training, guardianship, and control which the church maintains over its members, its officers, and its courts. The other, a restricted and technical sense signifying judicial process. And that would be if the elders... um, we had a fellow at our church in England who was a, uh, uh, a hooligan. Uh, he was a uh, football hooligan, and I don't know, uh, in God's kindness, he gave him an interest to come to church, and he, he, he was, his, his mind was damaged from probably drugs and drinking and fighting But you you know when the soccer the football hooligans over in Europe that go you know they they, they're like gangs and they go get in fights with the fans of the other team and uh, one of my Dutch pastor friends says to the this guy Chelsea John he was a big Chelsea fan uh, John I understand you weren't very kind this past week well I asked my buddy, Chad, oh, what, did, what, what did he do? He said, he beat somebody over the head with a baseball bat. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of not kind. <laughs> uh, well, you know, from a disciplinary standpoint, the exercising of discipline would be a, a pursuit by the session of him to go and, <laughs> and make, make right what's happened. And to ask for forgiveness and to repent of that behavior. I mean, this is an extreme situation. I don't, I don't expect we have any hooligans here. But uh, anyway, some examples of uh, discipline as we wrap up here uh, from a positive standpoint: worship that is done decently and in good order. And those are terms from the Bible, First Corinthians 14:40. And then some negative examples would be things like. Someone coming and saying, hey, I know I made these vows, but I've decided that I think I want to be a Roman Catholic. Well, you you can't agree. I'm not saying that there aren't believers that, you know, despite what they're taught, they love Jesus in the Roman Catholic Church. But if you have embraced the truths of Scripture as they are expressed in places like this church, and then you say, I want to go, you're, you're an idolater. Uh, You are rejecting Christ, and we are going to pursue you, uh, which we have in this church. Uh, If you you disappear, if you come and make your vows in front of this church, and then all of a sudden leave, we're going to come get you, or at least try. And I think you would want that. Um, And ultimately, God has given his under shepherds the keys to the kingdom as I mentioned church membership Um, you know to be a member of this church you'll be interviewed by the elders and you know it's just not uh, it's not like you get your ticket to go on the metro uh, free pass Um, I hope you don't intimidated by the idea of meeting with the elders though Uh, so again wrapping up why do we do it because uh, or why do you submit yourself because God has commanded that and then how do you do it going back again morning and evening worship um, listening I I, I do want to make this point I know we're a little bit over now um but listen if 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 an elder or a couple of elders if 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 especially two elders or more, if you find yourself standing in front of two elders or more and they're not just talking to you about the baseball game or and they're talking about something of a spiritual nature, listen, pay attention um, Jesus says. My he, my sheep hear my voice, and if if they're if elders are having a stern conversation with you, as as was already acknowledged, they may be wrong. Um, but these are the means that Christ has given to His church. Um, And then we we discussed how how is it that we uh, promise to study its peace and purity, or purity and peace that 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 continual pursuit throughout our lives. Um, so, briefly went over a minute or so. I'll wrap up here in prayer. Um, obviously, we didn't have time for a, for a lot of questions, but please come find me and ask questions if you have questions for me in particular about this or just. In general, and then, as I mentioned before, uh, we we look forward to interviewing you all um, at some point. So, you know, whenever you see fit for that to happen, come grab one of us, and we'll we'll try to get a couple of us at least. Again, kind of because it's an important conversation. Um, but with that, why don't I close us in prayer? Gracious Heavenly Father, Holy God, we give you thanks for this time that we have to consider uh, joining to the body of Christ here in this local body at Grace Presbyterian Church in Douglasville. And uh, Father, we we do thank you for the dear saints uh, that are here, um, that, that are considering membership, and and we thank you for Grace Presbyterian Church and for the faithful ministry of uh of so many and we ask for your blessings upon it we ask for your blessings upon the preaching of your word today we do pray that you would illuminate our hearts and our minds as we hear your word preached we ask that by the power of your holy spirit that you would change us in light of what we hear and these great truths and we pray all these things in jesus name amen